0: Welcome to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. I want to start this episode with a moment of grounding right away. So uh, let's take a comfortable seat, yeah? Or if you're on the move, on the go, in the car, just whatever ability you have right now to soften a little bit deeper into yourself. You know, we have that opportunity all throughout the day, even if we're driving a car with our eyes open, or if we're sitting on a couch back home, the ability to tune our awareness inward, to slow things down a little bit, to feel into our heart space, and to connect to this place where we are, this moment here now. So allowing yourself to make this connection to your body, If you can close the eyes, of course, Anytime we turn off any of our senses, it makes it a lot easier to listen to what's moving inside of us. So closing our eyes and turning off any distractions around us, of course, is very, very helpful. And then go ahead and just place the palms of the hands anywhere onto the body. I immediately placed both of my hands to my belly just now. Notice where you intuitively placed your hands in this moment. We tend to bring our palms to an area of the body where maybe we are in need of a bit of support or sometimes an area where we're feeling vulnerable or we're connected. So if your hands ended up on your heart right now, chances are that you are feeling a lot. Chances are that... Your body has been telling you it's time to feel a lot, but maybe you haven't had the space or the time. I placed my hands to my belly just now just because I'm feeling a little bit vulnerable. It's that time of the month and, you know, our belly is our it's very sensitive, soft area of the body, but it's also a place of trust resides right here. That anchor to the world, our ability to stand up tall and feel rooted in who we are. It's also our place of creation, right? Our womb space. We create from this place. So just see if you can make a bit more of an energetic connection to wherever your hands are resting now. If it's somewhere else on your body, what does this part of yourself hold? What does this part of your body represent to you in this moment? And then with that, let's take a let's take a real deep breath. The deepest breath you've taken all day. In through the nose, fill up. Hold for a moment, and let it out. Bring your breath back to a more of a neutral, natural place, just breathing in and out of the nose. Little by little, see if you can allow everything to just slow down. Noticing the breath in, and how it's moving through your body and noticing your breath out just in that same way. Checking in with what it's like to be you today. It's a really big question, I think. What is it like for me to be here in this body the way I am in this moment? What are you carrying right now? What's hard What feels heavy? What's weighing on you in this moment? Where is there maybe some stress or some tiredness, some fear, some worries? Just give yourself a little check-in, like what's going on? If we don't slow down enough that we can actually tune in and anchor into the answers to all of these questions, it's easy to just get caught up with day-to-day life right? And before we know it, we're just going through the motions and from thing to thing and place to place without ever pausing to actually check in, to actually place our hands to our own body and just listen. And that's what this practice is for me and hopefully what this practice can also be for you. Just that slowing down, that tuning in. So how are you doing right now? Sit with that for a moment. How am I doing right now? And whatever answer comes your way, see if you can just allow for that to be there, just for a moment, yeah? Even if the answer is really hard to digest, right? If the answer is uncomfortable, if it's, mm, you know, you're sitting with something really challenging right now or really painful, Notice that, okay, this is how I'm doing right now. Sometimes, if it's been a while since we checked in with ourselves, when we ask ourselves that question, the answer that comes up can be almost surprising. You know, we thought we were having a solid day, but actually something is lingering there. Or maybe no one's asked us in a while, right? Maybe no one's asked you in a while. When was the last time someone sat you down, looked you in the eye, present with you and just asked you, hey, how are you doing? Really? How's your heart? How's your day? Are you okay? Do you need something? Can I help you with something? So giving that to yourself right now. "Mm, How am I doing? What does it feel like to be here now? Do I need help with something? What do I need? And then sensing this very soft, very vulnerable space beginning to open up inside of you, that place inside where it's okay to be the way you are, that place inside where We feel safe to actually be vulnerable, to actually feel our feelings all the way, to let ourselves be small and fragile and sad and all the things that come our way from time to time. So see what it's like just to connect with yourself on a deeper level in this very gentle place where you don't have to put up any walls don't have to hold up any anything, actually. You don't have to hold up anything. Or you can just put everything down and be the way you are. So another deep breath into that place. And then from there, when you feel ready, blinking your eyes open. Hey, <laughs> how you doing? Hey. <laughs> Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Oil smells like summer, or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all-natural, uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at OSEA. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code yoga at OSEAMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OSEA Malibu.com and use the code yoga for 10% off. I always feel when I start this podcast before I do a grounding, it's like a different hello. And then after a grounding, it's a different version of me talking to you and it's a different version of you listening right now. Just giving ourselves that, that space to, to peel off some layers, you know, to listen from the heart, to speak from the heart. I mean, that is the, that is the original name of this podcast, you know, conversations from the heart. So, uh, speaking from the heart in this moment here now, how am I doing? I am uh, feeling really vulnerable, really soft, really open hearted <laughs> right now. Um, it's getting close to that time of the month for me, which always just enhances my ability to feel everything. And also really strangely, my daughter, Leia, she's in the same space where she's so, 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 so sensitive these past two or three days, like literally She stubbed her toe just a tiny, it wasn't even really a stub. It was like she dragged her foot on our plane floor, you know, not a stone or anything. And she cried about it for like three hours, you know, and then she kept holding on to her little toe and like kept coming back to, oh my God, I hurt myself. I can't believe it. I hurt myself, you know, I was putting her hair up this morning and then I pulled on her ponytail and she got so upset because, you know, she's, it's like everything that happens is a huge deal right now and it's a really good reflection of how I'm doing. Honestly, I feel sensitive to everything, sensitive to everyone, which I think is a good thing, you know? I really do think it's a good thing. And what's challenging, I think, is to meet people from that place of sensitivity, especially when the rest of the world maybe isn't in that same place as, as me, you know? Have you ever felt that way when you're feeling really in tune, really vulnerable for whatever reason and then you step out into the world and then suddenly you realize, wait, ooh, other people are not in that place. Right? So, I think it's it's an interesting time for all of us right now to to peel off some layers. You know, and that's that's what we're doing in these kinds of practices, whether it's 5 minutes of meditation, that you do at the beginning of a podcast that you listen to once a week or whatever your daily practices really are. But peeling off the layers that we have put on all throughout our lives, that we have kind of used to protect ourselves, to hold it together all the time, to be really strong, to soldier on, right? It's like we're all sort of meeting ourselves with all this armor on all the time. And I have come to find that it's absolutely exhausting It's totally exhausting to live that way and to relate with people that way, but it's also the way we are. It's just kind of the way all of us are, the way society is right now. And I'm finding that, especially, you know, this year, the the gift that is 2020 that just keeps on giving with a lot of challenges, people react in different ways. So I'm sensing some people in my life, I have a much harder time relating with now than I did before this year. And those are the people who, for different reasons, have put up more walls, you know, from everything that came came their way this, this year. People who are in that space where challenges come their way and it becomes a thicker part of their armor. It becomes, okay, I got to protect myself more from the world. That place of like, mm, you know, it's hard to be vulnerable when we're in the midst of challenge, I think, and struggle. But it's also the only way. I think really to, to get to that place of, of, of growing from it, learning from it, of, of allowing it eventually, you know, finding some sort of peace and ease as we navigate these difficult things. And, you know, it's a tough world out there. And I think it's, you know, as a vulnerable, sensitive person, and I know a lot of you guys listening right now, you feel that way. That's why you come back to this podcast Or as a person who's doing a lot of work in terms of inner work and healing work, it's really fucking hard to to be on that path and then go and, and interact with people who are going a totally different direction, right? Does that make sense? And I say this without any kind of judgment. You know, I say this knowing my own journey, how much time I've spent in my life with armor on really rigid, really strict, really controlling, you know, feeling really fearful, not safe enough to, to begin peeling off some of those layers, not safe enough to be vulnerable. It's also when we're in the beginning of our healing journey, you know, if no one ever taught us how to do this stuff, how on earth are we supposed to know how to do it? You know, it's, it's one of those crazy, crazy things that just makes so much sense. So I'm just contemplating that right now. You know, I, I don't know if the universe is kind of telling me to let some people go from my life, just people I've known a long time, people who have been a part of my life, my world forever, who I just no longer resonate with in that same way. I have a hard time talking to actually right now. And not that there's anything inherently wrong with them, it's just we're in such different places. And I think when we are in a sensitive part of our healing journey, you know, kind of this place where I'm at now, where I feel... Everything is, everything is sensitive. You know, I'm vulnerable to everything. I'm feeling everything so intensely. Literally, I'll go teach a yoga class. And if there's one person in the room who isn't paying attention, you know, which is always, it's always going to be the case. You're going to have, you know, however many people in a room right now, because of coronavirus, we have to do social distancing in the Shala, which is super weird, but very needed. And, uh, so our maximum is 15 people right now. We normally take 52 in the room. So everybody has tons of space, but you know, however, however, many people you're teaching, you're going to have that one person who maybe is there for something else, you know, who maybe has a hard time being present. Maybe person who is feeling, you know, stressed, someone who wants to rush out before Shavasana or, and it can be really hard to be in that role of, of sharing something from the heart totally, and then have someone not listen, right. Or have someone not be in the same place. And normally those things, they don't, they don't bother me at all. You know, I'm I'm well aware that we all come to this practice for different reasons. And actually what I might be judging as someone not paying attention could be someone moving through something really traumatic, you know, someone who having a hard time feeling safe, closing their eyes. Like we never know what each person is going through. Even those, you know, and sometimes I have people who come to class who are super challenging to deal with, Right. I mean, we used to to have this is so I I tell these stories sometimes in in our YTT groups, but we've had cycles where people come and they, you know, that person in the room who, regardless of what I'm telling them, does something completely different. You know, there's, of course, you know, we should always modify and do our own variations of things that make us feel good. But if you want a home practice where you're going to do all of your own poses and not in any way follow the class, then you should do a home practice at home. You know, you still have a teacher there that that's trying to hold space for you, right? And then, you know, sometimes we get people who come in and have headphones on and want to play their own music in their own ear, you know, while we have something going on in the room or someone who doesn't want to leave their phone outside, like people come to the studio with all sorts of stuff. And normally, you know, that doesn't bother me in any way. And now for some reason, I go to teach a class and if I sense one single person in that room, kind of not a hundred percent there, right, or kind of rushing through things or, checking out a little bit or something's going on, I feel so totally affected by that, so sensitive to that, like everybody's energy. Uh, if a person in class comes and is really vulnerable and crying, then I cry in class, you know, <laughs> and you wouldn't know that I, that I am, but, but I do. It's almost like everybody's feelings and energy, I'm just a sponge to it. So I'm having a hard time actually spending time in groups right now which I guess is a good timing for that, seeing that we're not allowed to congregate and be together. But, you know, if you are feeling the same way and you're in this very sensitive place where you're working on yourself, where you're peeling off layers, like peeling off layers of old conditioned stuff, whether that's baggage or old wounds or limiting beliefs or all this stuff that we were raised with, when you're doing that work, you are going to feel super sensitive. You are really vulnerable to everybody else. So imagine then having people in your life who who don't agree, right? Or people in your life who, whose, you know, maybe energy isn't helpful to your own healing. What then? Like, what do we do then? And I don't know the answer to that because I think there's a, there's a balance between loving the people that we have in our lives for what they are, right? Without putting any expectation on other people to be in the same place as us or do the same work as us, you know? But then we can also get to a place where just, man, I don't know if this relationship serves me. You know, are you leaving that that friend every time you meet up feeling a little worse than you did before you saw them? Like, that's not good. You know, so just getting present with all of these people that we have in our lives, all of these social situations that we end up in, all of these constructs that we have, the dynamics that show up again and again. Is this helpful or is it not? (laughs) And it's a really big question to ask, right? Is this helpful or is it not? And I think we can apply it to so, 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 so much. You are listening to the Yoga Girl podcast, conversations from the heart. Changing the world begins with changing ourselves, but that's a lifelong journey and one you can begin right now on yogagirl.com. Yogagirl.com is a safe space on the internet, a place for you to call home. With hundreds of yoga and meditation classes from my favorite groups of teachers, live classes with me every week, sharing circles, astrology readings, and much more, this platform offers access to the tools that have benefited me the most on my own healing journey. Join our community on the community board, a place for you to share your deepest feelings and be heard. Or read from hundreds of articles on healing, practicing self-love, being of service, and recipes for your kitchen. You can even find all of my podcast episodes there too. We have so many beautiful offerings on yogagirl.com, but here's what you'll never find. There will never be ads. You'll never see messages telling you to be fitter or skinnier or different. You can come as you are. I created yogagirl.com for people just like me, people who want to do the work to take care of themselves, to unlearn, undo, and shed the layers to become the person we all are at our core. This is my heart out in the world for you, because when you take care of yourself, you create the best version of yourself, and that's the person who is going to change the world. Join us on yogagirl.com to practice, grow, and heal. By signing up right now, you will receive two free eBooks and a free t-shirt and 20% off if you sign up for the yearly membership. Visit yogagirl.com slash subscribe to join right now. That's yogagirl.com slash subscribe. See you in practice. You are listening to the Yoga Girl podcast: Conversations from the Heart. I'm also realizing as a as a parent, as a mother, I'm, I'm sensitive in that same way, where I feel like I'm so in tune with my daughter's needs that I can almost I can anticipate them before she articulates them. Like I can tell, like we're very very in sync right now, and uh, and I'm realizing so deeply that if I just listen to her all day. And that's a really fucking hard thing to do. Anyone who has a three-year-old that doesn't stop talking, like she wakes up and she talks. I don't even know how she catches a breath between her sentences. She just talks and talks and talks and talks all day. But if I pay real, real present attention to her when she speaks to me, then we never have any problems. And this, is, this has been kind of, a, kind of a big truth for me to realize that it's on the days when it's hard for me to be present, right? When I'm not anchored enough in myself, even though I, you know, I I know I'm doing a good job. I know I'm a good mom. We are always going to fluctuate in how we feel and how we're able to hold space for other people. But when I really, really listen to her, like all the time, especially when I feel like she's getting whiny or she's tired or she's complaining or she's upset about something, if I just drop to my knees right away, bring myself to her level and just listen to her and let her say all the things she wants to say. And I nod along and I, and I say something that really lets her know that I am listening to her, right? Then like we, we have no issues. The tantrums that used to come, they don't come. It's like she can talk her way out of her own tantrum just by me nodding along, looking her into the eye, listening. And it's making me realize How sensitive we are as kids, how sensitive we were as children, and probably how many times in our lives, how many times in a day when we were kids that we weren't heard, that we weren't seen. And obviously, you know, all of us as parents, you know, right now we're only human We are always going to fuck up. The point is not to do this perfect all the time. We can only do the best we can. But thinking about that, you know, what was it like for you to grow up in terms of this sensitivity that maybe you're finding your way back to right now? What I'm sensing in myself is that I thought I was always a very strong person, very like warrior up, like I can make it through anything. I've faced so many, you know, hardships and things in my life. You know, I'll always soldier on like I would never cry, you know, normally. And my, throughout my whole life, I was this strong person. And I had this idea that I'm a strong person, you know, but actually that's not true. You know, I wasn't born that way. I, I think I was born a really sensitive person, a really, really sensitive human being, honestly. And I don't know if any of us is born, you know, with all of this resilience. Resilience is something that we learn from going through hard things. And Some of us have this kind of strong, harsh energy of, you know, don't mess with me and I can take care of myself and I don't need any help. And, and I was like that my whole entire life. And I'm realizing now that, you know, I wasn't born that way. It didn't just start out that way. I was a really sensitive kid and probably chances are my parents were going through too much of their own shit for me to be able to be really seen and really heard when I was a kid. And what happens, you know, when, when, when we're not listened to, like, even as adults, have you ever been in an argument with someone or a discussion with someone or conversation where the person is just bulldozing you or they're not listening to you when, when you not, they're not giving you space to talk. There's nothing more frustrating. I mean, there's nothing more like, oh, you know. I can, if I'm in a conversation or a discussion or, or something with someone and they do that, I could cry, right? It's, it's so frustrating to not have the space to be heard, listened to. It's a huge, it's a, it's a human, you know, fundamental need to be seen. And what happens when we're not seen and when we're not seen consistently is we figure out our own ways to take care of ourselves, right? If we're not having our own heart needs met by our, our people, our family, our parents, we're going to try to find other ways to do that other ways to get attention, other ways to feel good, other ways to find safety. And after a while, it becomes these kinds of conditioned patterns in terms of what we believe is true about life, how we believe we should be acting, right? To be worthy of attention, to be worthy of of being seen and heard and listened to. And what if this whole personality structure that we've built from that place of not having our needs met, what if it's all... (laughs) What if it's all not real? <laughs> and I say that lovingly because just just imagining that is so wild and intense and insane. But seriously, think like really think about this. What if your entire personality, most of your personality, okay, not all of it, but most of it. What if most of it is learned from trying to make your way through really hard things? What if most of what you, you know, what, what you think of when you think of your personality traits, the type of person you are, what, what of that feels genuine and as something that's a part of your core, something you're totally, totally unique to you that you were born into this world with, right? Part of your own seed structure, like as a little seed planted in this world and how much of it have you accumulated just trying to fucking survive, <laughs> I get a little even emotional just saying that because I've realized so much of the personality traits and the qualities that I have that I have just deemed, this is Rachel, this is who Rachel is, don't actually resonate with my core anymore. And I don't know if they ever really truly did. You know, even these basic, basic traits that I have in terms of, I work really hard, like I'm a very, very hard worker. This is part of my whole identity is I'm a hard worker. I can get anything done. Like throw me any problem, I will fix that shit for you. Like I get, I can be problem solver in any situation. Like that's what I do. You think I was born that way? You think there's a kid out there born a hard worker, born a problem solver, in a sense of fixing hard situations for other people? I I don't know. And I was sitting with you know all of those moments that I have in life where where there's something for me to fix, where there's a crisis for me to solve, where there's some drama, something hard, something challenging, you know, that's the kind of energy that I'm really comfortable in because it's the energy that I've known, but it's also the energy that led to my burnout. It's also the energy that's caused a lot of problems in my life, you know, in my body, you know, it's that energy that, that keeps me out of breath you know, when I get asthma, I have cycles of having a lot of asthma. It's that energy that gives me back pain because I carry so much responsibility and, and, and pressure and stress. It's that energy that keeps me from sleeping well at night, you know? So what if, you know, the core inside of my own being, there's a, a human being there that just wants to rest, that just, just wants to have a calm life that actually doesn't thrive under pressure, that doesn't thrive under having crises to solve all the time or some panicked situation that, that needs to be fixed, right? But, but a, a being in there that, that just wants peace, that just wants safety, that just wants to feel safe and held and taken care of. But for me throughout my, most of my life, that's when I was really seen and really heard and listened to was when I solved the problem or when I was able to fix or rescue somebody else. So it's it's been a really big journey for me to realize these big personality structures that I've had that I have that probably if you ask any of my friends or the people in my life or my family like what kind of person is Rachel they would say those things and I'm realizing now that a lot of that isn't who I am.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank.
0: What do you do when you realize a big part of your personality isn't actually true to who you are at your core? If you have the answer to that, I would love to, I would love to, <laughs> to hear the answer because I honestly don't know. And what I've realized is, first of all, the the main shift that has to happen is that I have to get to a place inside of myself where I can allow myself to dwell in moments that don't have that high energy problem-solving, crisis, vibration, right? That's the number one. So basically me learning to just be here in boredom, in the mundane, in the day-to-day quiet moments. And that's really fucking hard. I have no idea how to do that. I genuinely have no idea how to be there in that. My brain will find something else to do, some other problem to fix, a project to start, you know, something that's broken, something to clean up, And I'll find myself in that kind of doing all day, all day, unless I catch myself in that moment and go, Hey, okay, Hey, you're doing it again. You know, a really good, um, example of this is, is this is a big learning that I've, that I've actually learned and and had epiphany that came my way through the dynamic meditation that I'm doing today's day 34, (sighs) yay, yay for day 34, (laughs) And in the dynamic meditation, the last stage of it is called the celebration stage. And that's the stage where most people just love because it means you've finished this long, hard hour of of your meditation practice. And now it's just free dance. It's just moving your body however you like, celebrating the day, basically. And that's the stage of the meditation that I fucking hate. I hate it. I hate it so much. (laughs) And I don't use that word hate like lightly, but I cannot stand this part. And I get really bored with it. I think the music is boring. I don't like it. Like five minutes will pass and I'm like, what, what's the point? You know, my meditation is done. I've done the silence. I've done the emotions. I've done the hard parts. Like, can I just get on with my day? Right. I have a kid waiting downstairs and a husband, like I have things to do, you know, and I find myself wanting to turn it off. I find myself wanting to end my meditation 15 minutes before it's actually over. And what I'm realizing is, you know, it's, it's really, really hard for me to allow myself that moment of just feeling joy for no reason. That moment of actually, you know, maybe it's, it feels purposeless to me. The joy, the celebration in the end, the dance, the celebrate the day, it feels totally purposeless because I am not solving anything. (laughs) Isn't that the most ridiculous shit you've ever heard? I'm not solving anything. And, and the whole point of it, it's just joy, right? If joy is there, let joy be there. And I feel like just letting joy be there for no reason. But what am I fixing then? At least in the other parts of the of the meditation, I'm solving problems inside of myself, right? I'm letting my emotions out or I'm becoming more resilient and strong by standing here in silence for forever and, and all this stuff. And then there's just celebration and my brain goes, eh, nah, this is a waste of time. Let's go. Let's Let's, let's move on you know? And it's so bizarre. It's been a really interesting just thing for me to learn. And then I'm using that, that learning. Okay. You know, my practice right now is allowing myself to be bored when boredom comes to not turn the meditation off, to not leave the room, to not busy myself with the next task, but to sit there and feel that feeling of absolute freaking discomfort and if I, if I get really, really present with that feeling of boredom, I can actually track it in my body and it lives in my solar plexus. I don't know why it lives there, but it lives there. And it's this feeling of, it's almost like a sharp, high note feeling of extreme discomfort that sits in my solar plexus and it makes my whole skin just itch. Like if I get really present with that feeling and, and underneath it, right, why do I feel so uncomfortable with that boredom, with that quiet with that thing that I deem purposeless, right? Well, if I had my whole life thinking that the only way I'm worthy of being really seen, right, of being really listened to is when I'm fixing something or rescuing someone, right, then what does that mean for my sense of worthiness when I'm just doing nothing, when I'm just doing something purposeless, right, when I'm just here on my own, not solving anything, fixing anything, busy with anything, right? It means that underneath all of that, there's a huge layer of feeling totally worthless. (laughs) And I can say this now, like even with a little smile, because there's a part of me that just, that knows how untrue that is, that knows how worthy I am, but that can still recognize and hold that wound from the little girl inside of me who feels like she's not worthy of any love. And the only way anyone will see her is if she takes care of them, right? So I have to just stand there in that boredom, in that totally terrible place with my hand to my solar plexus, feeling that sharp pain of discomfort, feeling unworthy, feeling unlovable, feeling if I stand here, no one's going to see me, no one's going to listen to me. I have no purpose in life, no footing in this world if I just stay here the way I am and then i make myself stay there anyway right and even just saying that now it's like i have to i have to shrug my shoulders just to shake that energy off because it's so intense and it's so intensely uncomfortable but it's like every moment i give myself to touch on that place of discomfort to dwell in that place a little longer it increases my capacity to hold it and my capacity to be present in that moment and then I hope eventually what will come out on the other end of this is a feeling of being purposeful anyway, right? It's a feeling of, of being loved, of being held, of being worthy, of being seen, even when I'm not doing anything. And isn't that what we're all sort of looking for, right? You know, we look at our children. I look at Leia Luna and it's just, there, there's there's nothing she could possibly change about who she is, about how she moves through her day that would make me love her any less or any more, you know? Like that love I have for her, it's so unconditional, it's so ginormous, you know, it, it's immeasurable. And I know that all parents, you know, we all love our kids that same way. What stands in the way is all the stuff that lingers from when we were little, Right? And it's, it's exactly like that. Like, what do I teach my kid if I'm never still, or what do I teach my kid if I never allow myself to feel joy and pleasure for no reason, right? But if I only let myself feel joy as some sort of prize at the end of having accomplished something, well, then I'm teaching her that that's what life is, right? That joy isn't accessible, That being quiet is something scary, something dangerous, that we always have to be in perpetual motion, right? That being seen and heard is dependent on accomplishing something. And even though I'm not telling her those things, if I treat myself that way, that's what she will see. That's the energy she's going to feel. That's what she's going to know in her core. The way I treat myself, the way I move through my day teaches her what it's like to be a human being in this world right? I'm modeling all of this for her every day, every day, all day. So what I thought, you know, when I had a kid, I thought the most important thing I can do now is to learn how to be a really good mom, right? How to not make any mistakes, how to be a really perfect mom, how to focus all of my energy on parenting, right? And it's not true. It's a huge, big lie. The biggest gift I can possibly ever give her is to give myself that presence, To give myself that love, to give myself those tools and resources for healing and to have that practice of taking care of myself, really taking care of myself, not just that day-to-day surface stuff, but really doing the hard shit, which this journey is, right? Sitting with that pain, with that discomfort, that boredom, that feeling of unworthiness, processing it and using tools to get to a place of, of truth, right? Continuing to peel off those layers, moving through this world with more vulnerability, with more truth. Like that's the greatest gift I could ever possibly give her ever in my whole life. And I can really recognize that now that I can see her and I can listen to her and I can feel her and I can be totally present with her when I'm present with myself. And that doesn't mean, you know, that if we're having a hard time and, and a hard time to be with ourselves right now, that we're shitty parents. no fuck man, if you're a parent listening to this, you're doing an amazing job, amazing job. You're doing the best you can. And we have the tools that we have right now. We can only do the best we can with what we have. Right. And what I want to really get to here is that if you have any kind of, you know, feeling of guilt around taking care of yourself or a feeling that you should be exerting yourself more for your kids, for your family. You should give your family and your kids more time, more energy than you give yourself. But that is also untrue. And you need to give yourself permission to do this inner work for yourself to be the best parent you can be. It has to start with that, you know, and probably along the way of doing that healing work, things are going to get kind of ugly, right? Things are going to get really hard. You're going to get super sensitive. You're going to feel all of a sudden that you have to make all of these changes in your life. You know, it's not this straight line to something easy and beautiful. It's messy, kind of ugly, you know, brings up these shameful things.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
0: I'm questioning now, you know, my, my first years as a mom, the amount of anxiety that I carried, the amount of fear that I felt that for sure, for sure I passed on to her, for sure she's felt every day of her life, you know, our first year together, basically that whole year was me being terrified that she was going to die, that something was going to take her away from me. I didn't feel safe in my body. I didn't feel safe as a mom. I didn't feel safe in our house. Like I didn't feel safe in this world in any way. I felt so unsafe. And and I know that that's 100%, you know, and it's a part of her. And it's also knowing and trusting that that the traumas that we go through and the hardship that we move through, that it wouldn't be there if it wasn't something that was meant for us to, to, to move through. And I'm not talking about, you know, abuse, being in a, in a current active abusive situation that we absolutely need to leave. But the things that come up inside of ourselves, right, that they are, those things are surfacing because apparently now is the time right? Apparently now, you know, then me being a mom, that was the time for me. Giving birth was the moment for me where I really got to deal with my fear of losing people. I didn't know I had that fear so intensely. I thought I dealt with it. I thought I was healed and fine. And then it took, you know, (laughs) giving birth. And, and my first, actually my first, my first thought, my first realization when I had her in my arms was, Oh, she's alive. Realizing that I'd spent nine months up until that point, expecting to give birth to a stillborn child. I never really believed that she would be alive. That's how much fear of loss. That's how much grief and unresolved pain I had inside that I was certain that she was going to die. And then it's, it was, it was the first year of her life undoing that, right? Every single day that I got to keep her trusting a little more that, okay, she's here to stay. Okay. She's here to stay. You know, and that was the doorway in. Like without that, without getting pregnant, without birthing her, I would have never been able to open the door to that fear that was always there all along, right? Just like if it wasn't for getting through that, finding that sense of safety in motherhood, and then getting to this place, you know, getting having a burnout and then twenty twenty with all its joys of pandemic and everything falling apart, that I could realize that, oh, okay, for the past years I've been running really fast. I've kind of felt like I was this super present mom, but, mm, you know, I've been with her, totally been with her, you know, but deep inside, I haven't been with myself. So there's another level to my ability to be present with her. And it's kind of cool to go through these motions and also trusting that, you know, that she wouldn't have had a mom with that kind of fear for the first year of her life if there wasn't something hugely important for her to learn and grow into, um, from that experience. You know, it's like, if we were meant to go through perfect childhoods where everything is wonderful all the way through, then what kind of people would we grow up to be? Right. So it's that really delicate balance of allowing our kids to have hard things happen to them. Right. Glennon Doyle has a really good quote about this that I'm of course forgetting right now, but about the type of people we want our kids to grow up to be. We want them to be strong and resilient, right? And how do we become strong and resilient by going through hard things? So we can minimize that because, you know, the universe is going to throw our kids hard shit. Like there's no way around it. We can't protect them from everything. It's not going to be the case, but we can do our own work as much as we possibly can. And I'm sensing now in my own, in my own little, little moon, my own little, my own kid, the things that come out of her mouth, just alongside of me doing this work. Today we sat down, I picked her up from daycare, we sat down to have lunch. And she goes, mama, can I talk to you? And I said, yes. She goes, will you listen to me? And I said, yes. Okay, I want Papa to talk too, and then I'm going to talk, and then you're going to talk. She's three, right? Like, I mean, it's, she's very articulate, articulate to, to say these things like this. And I'm like, you want to have a family talk? She says, yes, family talk. And then Papa sits down and we're all around it. And I'm like, okay, what? there's something important that she wants to share, you know? And she says, it's not going to matter anyway, because it's hard. And I go, what's not going to matter anyway? I don't know. Are you listening to me? And I say, yes, honey, I'm listening to you. Okay. I thought there were monsters in my room. (laughs) And I go, oh, okay. I, I thought she was going to say something, you know, extremely big and profound about our family dynamic or something. She goes, there's monsters in my room. And I go, oh, okay. Okay. And she starts telling the story how there was monsters in her room and she thought they were in the closet, but then she checked and they weren't there. And then she went to daycare and she was thinking about the monster then. and And it's this whole big thing for her. You know, maybe she had a nightmare or she had a thought about a monster in her room, but just the way she brought that forward you know, I was kind of in awe of like, Hey, can we talk? Will you listen to me? Can Papa be here too? Like she needed us all to be there so she could tell us the story about how she thought there was a monster there. And so I could reassure her that she's really safe. Right. And just seeing her using these tools, like asking to be heard, and I can tell whenever we are, you know, if Dennis and I are talking about something or we're getting into a heated conversation about something, you know, as we do as, 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 as a married couple, she'll go, hey, mama, why are you not listening to Papa? And then I go, yeah, she's right. I'm not. I'm just talking over him because I want to get my point across. And I go, okay, Papa, let's talk, you know, and just this ability to be super, super present and how that increases her ability to articulate what she needs and to notice, Hey, they're not listening to each other now. Like that's a big thing. And the reason I'm able to catch these moments and make little changes in these moments and really be with her and see her. And it's all because I'm spending that same time being with and seeing myself right in these meditations, in these weird ass hard practices that I'm doing every day in therapy, in journaling, in yoga, in reading and making different choices, right? And it's, it's hard sometimes because I don't know what the end of the road is. I kind of feel like every week there is a new layer that I can peel off. There is a new trauma uncovered. There's a new memory coming my way about something really hard. And every week at the same time, I can sense something different in a really positive way, whether that's in my, in my family dynamic with my husband, with my daughter, with myself, So the question to return to again and again, again and again, again and again, is how am I doing and what do I need? It sounds so simple and it's not. How am I doing and what do I need? You know, imagine, you know, imagine a moment you had this week or a moment you had today that was hard, right? Whether you're fighting with your partner or a hard thing at work or a worry about something, you know. Imagine to give yourself those moments all throughout the day. How am I doing? What do I need? Like, what's really the truth that's underneath this situation? And is there a way for me to articulate that need to the people in my life? Or if I can't, or if that need can't be met by them, how can I meet that need myself? And that's kind of a cool practice to get into because the more you do it, the more you're going to realize that a lot of the stuff that we think we need to have from other people, right? Especially if you're in a relationship and you're banging your head against the wall about something because people are the way they are, right? People are the way they are. You're not going to, you know, I think people can make changes in their life and you can go on a big journey and, and make a big change, but people are who they are. You're not going to be able to change anybody. So say you have a need that is consistently not met by a partner or by someone in your life to get really intimate with yourself around that need. You know, what is it here that I feel actually is lacking and how am I in terms of sitting with the discomfort of that lack? How present can I be with how this lack, how this need manifested the first time it happened? What's the core wound? What's the source of that pain? And can I go back and sit with that? right? And really go to the heart of this whole mess rather than nag at my partner every day to be a version of, of themselves that they just can't be. And it's, it's a really, mm, it's a, it's a really juicy thing to do, right? Let's do a little practice right now. Hey, if you have a partner, imagine them. If you're not in our relationship, imagine a close friend or a relative or a family member, someone you're close with in your life, you know, what's a thing about them that bugs you? Like, what's the thing about them that you end up fighting about all the time? What's the thing about them that just drives you up the wall? That's reoccurring in that relationship. That just, man, like you, that person, they drive you crazy with this thing that they don't do or this thing that they do too much, you know, and take a moment to really sit with that. Like, what is that thing? What's really, really, really that thing? I'm going to give you an example. So, this is just the first that comes to mind. My dear husband, I love him to death. Like, I love him so dearly. But obviously, we're married. I can count 10 things immediately that drive me insane that he does. (laughs) One of them, the first thing that came to mind now is his unbelievable messiness. Unbelievable. He's so messy. He's so messy. It's unreal. And it it manifests in different ways every single day. So a good example is we have a shed outside where we keep all of our tools. He has a tool, a whole shelf for his tools with a big toolbox and everything in designated areas and, you know, a lot of stuff. He's doing a lot of handiwork around the house. And every single day he loses his tools every day, every single day. And every day I tell him, why don't you put the tool back? Where it lives after you're done using it, then tomorrow when you need it again, you'll know where it is. And he won't, he won't. And I've been with this man for 10 years. I know he's not all of a sudden gonna wake up one morning and be an organized person. It's not who he is, right? He's just super messy. But every day, I find another reason to bring this up like, hey, why can't you just put your things back? Then you won't spend all of this time looking for stuff and asking me to help you look for your stuff. And sometimes, you know, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm honest, I, it drives me really crazy. Like we can have a real fight about how much time is spent looking for things that to me, it's so simple to just put them where they live. And for him, he doesn't do it. Right. So we can fight about this and go round and round in circles. Right. But if I get really present with, okay, so what is at the root of this for me? Right. Put aside the day to day, you know, annoyances of, of, of things being messy and a little unorganized. Like, why is this such a sensitive point for me? What does this actually tell about me and my past, me and my childhood, me at my core? I have a huge need for organization, huge, huge, huge need in my life to, to know where things are, to know where things live, to know that everything is in its place, right? For things to be ordered, for there to not be any unknowns in my life, right? And why am I that way? Well, when I grew up, my whole life was extremely messy. I spent so much time growing up feeling like there wasn't any structure in my life. You know, we lived in like 20 different places by the time I turned 10. Everything up and down, you know, relationships changing, had tons of stepfathers, stepmothers, people coming and going, people dying. I always sensed this huge feeling of life being unsafe, of life being unsteady. And a way for me to assert control was to make sure that I had control over over the little things in my life, right? So I can't control my family. My family's crazy. I can't control who lives or dies. I can't control this feeling of being unsafe, right? But I can organize my closet so I know where all my things are, right? I can make sure that all the books are in alphabetical order in my bookshelf, um, I can make sure it's always clean and ordered around me in my space, right? Since the rest of the house probably isn't going to be that way. That feeling, that need, huge need of organization and order, it comes from a deep, deep, deep childhood wound of feeling unsafe, of feeling Like, life is totally messy. Like, life isn't a safe, structured place to be, of not having routine, not knowing where things are, right? And I always had that feeling around people as well. I want to gather everybody. I want to know where everybody is because I don't really trust in life, right? I don't trust that at any moment life might take all these people away and I might be left alone, right? So once I get present with that, like, okay, hey, my need for order and my need for organization, it comes from this trauma, right? It comes from this wound, okay. The moment I can, first of all, acknowledge that to myself, right? It gives me some perspective where I can realize not everybody has this need right? Dennis didn't grow up in the same way. He doesn't have that same need for order as I have. This is something individual and unique to me. It's very important to me, not as important to him. It's not part of the fabric of his being. So it's not reasonable for me to expect for him to be the same way as I am. That's number one. Number two, the moment I can acknowledge that to myself, I can also communicate it to him, right? So instead of it being this thing where I nag him to put things back in order just because I want the house clean. It becomes this very deep and heartfelt sharing between me and him where I can say, hey, this is a really important thing for me, for my feeling of peace, right? When the house is in order, I can I can relax, I can sit down, I can be calm, you know, it's a really important need for me for my own self-care that this house is just organized, And I can say, I don't expect it to be that way every single day of the week, but if you could help me just a little bit more, yeah, because this is really important for me. Then it goes from him looking at me as this nagging wife to, okay, yeah, like it being a really sensitive, heartfelt thing, right? It's an important thing for me. And then the moment we have that communication, we don't fight about it anymore, right? And then, of course, time goes by and then, you know, a couple of months pass and then we get back to that thing and then we have to sit down and be vulnerable with each other again and have that sharing again, right? Because that's life, that's relationships. So allowing yourself to take those challenging moments, those challenges in relationships, especially right now, if you're feeling vulnerable to all of the changes around you, if you're on a level in your healing journey that maybe isn't, you know, aligned with the people in your life. To get this present with what actually hurts. Get this present with what's actually bothering you. And how can I trace this back to me and mine? Right? Because it's not really about the other person. You know? It's not really about the other person. And that's also kind of humbling to get to for me to <laughs> remind myself like, okay, here's Dennis putting his socks on the floor next to the laundry bin. <laughs> Instead of putting them into the laundry bin to take a breath and go like, okay, you know, my level of annoyance of this, my level of like, this drives me crazy. It's still mine, right? It's still mine. And I chose this mess of a man. Like I made that choice. Isn't that fascinating? I could have chosen a type A mega organized man to live my life with. Like there's a reason I didn't, right? There's something about him that balances me. There's something about him that teaches me something every day. Like, what happens if the kitchen isn't spotless when we go to bed every night? Uh, You know, nothing falls apart. It's okay. You know, it's it's okay (laughs) to to lean back, take a breath, and let things be messy once in a while. Like, hey, it's a really good lesson for me to return to again and again. And, of course, a good lesson for him to return to again and again to create some more order in his life, which, of course, he needs to. So... See if you can get really present this week with the relationships that you have in your life, with the challenges that you're in, you know, what they're actually here to teach you, what you can learn from them, how they can allow you to become even more present with your own healing journey. And then, you know, sometimes if space is what we need to go a little bit deeper, then that's okay too. Trusting that you are where you are right now for a reason. It's such a cliche, but when it comes to this, you know, healing work within ourselves. It is really true. Not that, you know, if you've lost your job right now, hard things happening, people die. It is what it is for a reason. No, fuck that. You know, you don't have to bypass any pain by going into those cliches, but in terms of what you're recognizing in a present way, coming up inside of you, how can I apply that feeling of, or that knowing of, okay, you know, even this thing, bugs me about this person? What if it's more about me than it is about them? How can I learn from that, expand, grow, and heal from that, and eventually maybe even find some gratitude for the fact that I was here in the first place? Something that I would love to invite you to do if you're not already doing, or if you are doing, get more disciplined with, is to make sure that you journal every day journaling every day, it's uh, such an easy way to take note of these things that you're learning about yourself. It's almost like, say you have one of these epiphanies in one of your relationships, go write it down immediately, go write it down and go, Hey, I realized this thing about myself. I realized this thing about my partner through this thing that happened. Go write it down right away. Putting pen to paper. There's something about that connection of, of, you know, writing it down that actually, makes us understand it on a deeper level. Like it integrates, allows us to process that learning in a whole new way. So the chance of us having to repeat that pattern again is going to be less and less each time. So get disciplined with your journaling. Journal every day, take 15 minutes at the end of the day to write about your day. You know, today was, and then just keep going such an important practice and a really good one. It's like a mini therapy session with yourself for free, right? And then it gives you something really beautiful to look back to also at the end of the year. I can't wait to read my journals from 2020 at some point (laughs) because this year is going down in history, that's for sure. Take really good care of yourself. Most important thing you can do, take really good care of yourself and know that by taking great care of yourself, you're going to be able to take better care of the people that you love in your life. So you're the most important person in this world. You are. Give yourself permission to take care of yourself, to be with yourself, to be seen, to be heard, to be listened to, to be in your body, present, here now. And know you are not alone. Thank you so much for listening. I love you. Really, I love you from my heart to yours. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yoga Girl Podcast will be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoy the show, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. You can find all of them on yogagirl.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your shows. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work, and thanks to my sponsors. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.